0: Welcome to the equine connection podcast where health nutrition and love for the horse come together this podcast is brought to you by tribute superior equine nutrition i'm dr chris mortensen
1: and i'm dr nicole rambo happy spring nicole it really is spring here. It's gorgeous. Part of me is sad that we're inside podcasting, but I love doing this, so it's not the worst thing in the world. <laughs> After
0: a long, a long long winter, especially with COVID, but uh, yeah, it sounds like everything's going well there in Ohio.
1: Yes, we are doing well, and it is like 70 and sunny today. My horses are out in the field naked. I'm sure they'll be so dirty by the time I get home.
0: That's <laughs> the best time of year. and Today, we're going to jump in and talk about stuff the stomach, the horse stomach specifically, and how we maintain its its health. So I think it's, it's always worthwhile to just do a general anatomy review of the stomach specifically. So I don't know if you could jump into that. You know, what's the role of the stomach? E- even maybe talking about starting, even though it's not the stomach, the role of chewing, adding saliva, and then the swallowing into the stomach.
1: So starting in the mouth, the chewing process actually initiates the digestive process. So a couple things happen. One, we have that mechanical breakdown of feed. So that's making it small enough that they can swallow, get it down that long esophagus. It's also increasing the surface area, which gives all those enzymes and really important things more access to break down nutrients as it moves through the digestive system. So having a healthy mouth, super important and beyond the scope of today's podcast. But one of the things that happens, because this horse is designed to eat all the time, when they produce saliva through the process of chewing, they're also producing bicarb in that saliva. So you're going to have your feed plus your saliva work its way through the esophagus and into the stomach. And the act of there being consistent feed, this would be different forages in the wild horse, and saliva in the stomach is what buffers it because the horse is not a meal eater like you and I are. When we start thinking about food, our stomach's like, okay, I got a job to do, and it starts secreting acid. The horse, because it is a trickle feeder, secretes acid all the time. So that constant grazing and the production of saliva is part of the horse's natural buffering system of the stomach. Now, that's not to say that the acid in the stomach is bad. It does a super important job. One, it prevents pathogens from reaching the lower GI tract. So it's the first line of defense to keep bad bugs out of the digestive system. Two, it initiates the process of protein digestion. So there are different parts of the stomach, which we've covered a little bit in a previous podcast. But really briefly, the bottom part of the stomach is a glandular portion of the stomach. So it's coated by this thick mucus. It also has the job Of producing multiple different secretions. One of them is something called pepsinogen. So, this is an inactivated enzyme, and its job, once active, is to start the process of protein digestion. And the thing that activates it is that acid, so hydrochloric acid, which is, again, produced by a different part of that glandular region of the stomach. So this is really the beginning of digestion. And it is kind of a very complicated balance of having a low enough pH to activate pepsinogen into pepsin but not having an empty stomach with a low pH where the acid splashes around. And particularly in the upper portion of the stomach, this is the non-glandular portion. It doesn't have that mucus layer of protection. So it is really susceptible to ulcers in that region caused by acid splashing up into that region of the stomach. But the stomach has an important role of digestion. The other unique part of the horse is its stomach is tiny, relative to its total body size, because again, it's supposed to be that trickle feeder. So when we put them in a stall, feed them giant grain meals, it's really opposite of their physiology, which is based on lots of forage in small meals. And we can do things, of course, to replicate that as closely as possible for the modern horse
0: it's amazing when you compare the physiology to like behavior and stuff and what they're supposed to be doing. So, you know, we're going to get to some management later in this podcast, you know, on how to best keep that stomach healthy. So one of the things is, is it's true, right? Like, it, it, And I always love this factoid, horses can't vomit.
1: <laughs> yes. Things can only go down the esophagus. Right. They can't come back up. <laughs>
0: so like when they eat moldy haze or something like that, it, it it is kind of dangerous for them. So that's what...
1: Yeah, absolutely. So other animals would have that protective factor. If they eat something that they're not supposed to, that they would vomit it back up. That is isn't an option for horses. And a little bit, we like would depend on a horse being picky enough not to eat moldy hay or toxic weeds. And some are, but let's be realistic. There are some horses that are going to eat anything. Always
0: always that one. Always that one. Always that one. And then just briefly, if you can, you can let people know, I mean, it's the feeds in the stomach for- 30 minutes, right? Like it's, it's
1: Yeah. Yep. It's super fast. The majority of the feed, exits really quickly. It takes a long time for the stomach to 100% empty. That's why we have to fast them for a long time before we have them scoped for ulcers, but 20 to 30 minutes, the bulk of that food is gone. It is moving its way into the small intestine. Right.
0: Right. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's a great review. Great review, Nicole. So, you know, especially from a nutritionist standpoint, what does a healthy stomach look like?
1: Well, I don't have the luxury that I can see the stomach. (laughs) Um, So from that perspective, I mean, the only way we can know 100% sure that a horse's stomach is healthy is if we put a scope down there and look. And, you know, there are multiple different studies that say varying percentages of horses, often high when we talk about performance horses, have ulcers. And the thing that I think is interesting from a horse owner standpoint, because like I do lots of troubleshooting, is There have been cases where you have that stressy, skinny, poor hair coat horse. You scope its stomach, stomach looks 100% clean in your like, That's shocking. On the other end of the spectrum, you have the fat, shiny horse living in the pasture. They can have ulcers too. So it's really challenging as a nutritionist for me to even know if we're dealing with ulcers, if we haven't had a visualization of the horse's stomach. So I guess I look at it more from the standpoint is how can I promote stomach health, recognizing that nutrition is just one of those factors. Um, In fact, you know, if we zoom out from ulcers a little bit, we're kind of talking about it like it's one thing. And more recently, they actually split the definition of ulcers in the horse's stomach into two distinct disease processes, because they realized that calling it one thing isn't actually representative of what's going on. So in the non glandular portion of the stomach, that top part that's not protected by that thick mucus coating, it's called equine squamous gastric disease. And there, this is the most common type of ulcers. The one that the original studies, like when you see 90% of thoroughbreds have ulcers, this is the type of ulcer that they're talking about. And This is primarily caused by mucosal exposure to that acid, so hydrochloric acid. The other thing that we found through research is if you feed like a really high sugary starch concentrate, some of that will be fermented by microbes in the stomach, and it turns it into acids. So those acids volatile fatty acids, which aren't a bad thing. The horse uses them for energy when they're produced in the hindgut. But if we produce a lot of VFAs in the stomach of the horse, it actually magnifies the impact of that hydrochloric acid on breaking down that cellular barrier of the stomach. So you see increased incidence of ulcers in the non-glandular portion. And, you know, all sorts of things can cause ulcers in this area. Diet, environment, transportation, stall confinement. If you can think of it, there's a study that says it happens. Now, the other part, the glandular portion of the stomach, that bottom part that has more protection, it's a really diverse type of area. It secretes that mucus and its own bicarb to protect itself. In that particular area you know, the ulcers aren't caused by acid by itself. It secretes the acid. It knows it's supposed to be protective. There are mechanisms in place to do that. So there has to be a breakdown of that protective barrier for ulcers to form. So stress and then non-steroidal anti-inflammatory use are really the two that have been identified. So your bute, your banamine, to a little bit lesser extent, but still a risk, your equiox can all lead to increasing risk of forming ulcers in this bottom portion of the stomach. And those aren't usually true ulcers. A lot of times they're more like raised in inflamed areas, but they're treated differently than ulcers in the top part of the stomach. So that's why the researchers have now separated them into two different classes. They're caused by a different reason. The way we treat them is different. And unfortunately, you can't know that until you put a scope down them and actually see.
0: Uh, that's a good overview and a good introduction to ulcers, and, and really, that's the major issue with stomach health.
1: Correct. I mean, it's not the only issue. The other ones are relatively rare. Something like delayed gastric emptying can occur, but ulcers by far, in a way, would be your number one stomach issue.
0: So how can a horse owner tell, or what are some... Because horses... You know, we, we know almost anything will kill them, right? I mean, we joke about that. Anybody that's been around horses long enough, you think anything will will, will knock them out. But they're really tough. I mean, they they hide pain really well. And it, it takes a really trained eye to see if something's wrong. So are there some signs we could tell our listeners to maybe look for to see if their horse is suffering from stomach ulcers?
1: One of the challenges with ulcers is they are vague nondescript signs and no two horses will show their ulcer symptoms exactly the same. So they can be things like poor appetite an unexplained loss of weight. Diarrhea has been linked with ulcers. So that's interesting. It's, you know, an issue. You think about the whole back end of the horse. Well, ulcers have absolutely been linked with increased diarrhea. Also things like changes in behavior or poor performance. Can absolutely be linked to ulcers. The problem with that is, you know, poor performance is an example. How do I separate out without going through a veterinary exam? does my horse have a strained suspensory or does he have ulcers? Because all of those symptoms of the poor performance, um, a little bit grouchier when you tack them up, like all of those things could be representative of so many different issues. Uh, There are some studies that have linked stereotypies like cribbing, weaving, stall walking with increased ulcer risk. There are other studies that say exactly the opposite and that, displaying those behaviors don't correlate with an increased ulcer risk. And then, of course, colic is a very common side of ulcers, but colic can also be multiple other things. So I think it's really tough as a horse owner. I think it does happen a lot. You look at a horse and say, well, that horse is ulcery, and it may be. It's hard to know that's for sure the issue or the primary issue. I think I might have mentioned this previously in a podcast, but I've often found in troubleshooting that gastric, whether we're talking about the stomach or hindgut issues, a lot of times that's a secondary symptom of some other issue the horse is experiencing because stress is so, so impactful on the digestive system of the horse, whether that's stress from an injury, stress from their living situation, their job. A lot of times that shows up in the stomach, and we could try to fix ulcers all day long, but if we don't get to the root cause, we can't fix the ulcers,
0: and then so when when you do see some of those signs, and, and, and you briefly did mention scoping the horse, but maybe if you can go into a little bit more on, on how a veterinarian may diagnose that.
1: So in terms of diagnosis, the gold standard is a gastroscope. And that's where you fast a horse and then they actually stick a little tiny camera on a very long flexible tube down. They go through the horse's nose into its esophagus and actually visualize the stomach. And it's pretty cool um, because they can move it around, see all different parts of the stomach, take pictures. That's the gold standard. I know sometimes people will take the approach, well, let's treat it. If we see an improvement that tells us we're on the right track, sometimes that is a valid diagnostic approach. The one challenging point, because there are different types of ulcers that require different medications, you might have just treated with the wrong medication, checked ulcers off the list, and it was the root problem. So it's so challenging to make some of those decisions in real time. There's been some interesting research that looks at the potential for other types of less invasive diagnostics. So a really recent one that was published looked at blood biomarkers that can be used as a non-invasive screening tool. That was really neat. They found some that might be candidates. Of course, it's not validated to where it's a commercially available test yet. So that could be a cool thing coming in the future. And how neat would that be? The vet comes out, pulls some blood, runs it on a test kit, and can tell you, you know, yes or no, your horse may have ulcers. Um, Another one would be a sucrose permeability test. So sucrose typically wouldn't be absorbed. So if they find that, that's one. Um, Again, not commercially validated. The final one that we do see would be a fecal test. So a fecal occult blood test. And basically what happens is, Your vet will get this kit. They'll take a manure sample, mix it with, I think it's saline, and then put it on a little test strip, and it'll test positive or negative for blood in the stomach or hindgut. You know, the challenge with this one is the validation was done by the people that sell the test. So they have a vested interest for selling the test. Um, So I know as a horse owner, I'm not super confident using something that there's not been independent validation of. And the validation that's available is not published anywhere. Um, it's, you know, they'll give it to a vet, but they won't actually publish it in a scientific journal. So that is one that's used. Um, and I, I really can't comment on how accurate it is simply because that information's not available. But the gold standard again would be a gastroscope. It's it's really easy. You go in and you take the pictures. There is expense to it though, and it's not available in all parts of the country. If you live somewhere really rural, it could be a long trailer ride to find someone who could do a scope for you.
0: No, yeah, it. it, it I, I would love to get that. I, it's like oh, the, the scientist to me is like, oh, I want to do a study now on that, that little <laughs> test strips because you know I used to use a lot of those with uh, you know different different things with horses, obviously. Now. If you have ulcers or or you have a horse with ulcers, what is some management tips, nutritional advice you could give horse owners that, you know, since, since there is such a high incidence of it, that they could take away from this?
1: Great question. And we do tons of consults for people who have confirmed ulcers or suspect their horse has ulcers. And there are some dietary risks that we know will increase your risk of ulcers. So things like limited access to forage, really high sugar starch concentrates, think like sweet feeds and things really coated in molasses, those are going to increase your risk. So there are a lot of times that. We can make some dietary improvements. Now, if you called me and said, my horse is getting free choice hay and they get one pound a day of essential K, what can I change to decrease their ulcers? And i say, unfortunately, you're already doing everything that I would recommend from that perspective. So nutrition is not your main risk factor in that situation. So the best way to think about it is how can we get within your management system as close to feeding those horses as they were designed to be fed in nature. So that means as much forage access as possible. If you have the ulcer-prone easy keeper, it's a little bit more challenging, but things like slow feed nets, so we reduce the amount of time they're spending without forage in front of them can be really helpful. And then feeding small concentrate meals that are lower in NSC. So those would be the main things that we can do it's important to realize that supplements aren't going to replace the basic management fundamentals. They also can't replace the actual drugs in a case where a horse really does have ulcers. So in some cases, you know, some sort of supplementation may be appropriate to support the really ulcer prone horse. If we've done all that other stuff, it could be that one last hurdle to get them over the edge. But unfortunately it's not going to be a magic bullet to fix all of the issues if we don't kind of address some of those underlying ones.
0: Yeah, it's 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 a tricky one. It's just not straight nutritional, you know, as from your perspective. So, yeah, a lot to think about. A lot to think about. I, I think we'll leave it there. I mean, again, you know, the, these can turn into to hours long discussions, especially <laughs> as for horse geeks. But you know, for the listeners, thank you so much for listening. If you are really enjoying the podcast, if you could just share this with your equine enthusiast friends. As always we appreciate it. we see you sharing it on social media. So thank you so much. If you don't mind uh, giving us a five star review especially on iTunes that I helps. mean
1: I guess we'd even take a four star <laughs> <laughs> yes,
0: I know you always ask for the five. it just it helps our circulation it, it, it helps getting the word out you know and, and hopefully you know the 20 minute quick hitting you're finding it really beneficial to you. but thank you so much for listening and stay tuned next week.
1: Thanks.